Morning. Well, it is the fall, and what I'm about to talk about happens in spring. But, uh, Mr. Kevin Akrami, what is the name of the Persian New Year? No ruse. Everyone say no ruse. Did I say that right? No ruse. It's a beautiful day, isn't it? And no ruse. The, the Persian New Year is celebrated in many, many, many parts of the Middle East. I want to show you a picture of how it's celebrated in some spots. In fact, what you're about to see is an activity in Afghanistan that occurs on every Nowruz. What do they do? They take a goat, and they take a ram, and they fight. Isn't that awesome? Now watch this next picture. Boom! You see that? Is that incredible? Do we have any sports like this in America? Well, what do we do on New Year's? We watch the Rose Bowl, you know. But these guys, man, they're fighting, uh, they're fighting goats and rams over there. Does that sound like a sport you'd want to watch? No? Got one more picture here? Oh, it looks like the goat got the upper hand there in that one, right? Well, only in Afghanistan. I, let's clarify. This is not, not anywhere else in Persia, right, Kevin? That's right. In the, in the, in the Middle Eastern world. Why do I bring up Nowruz? Why do I bring up uh, this celebration of the Persian New Year uh, when it's not even the spring? It's not even the spring equinox time. Well, the reason I bring it up is because it's fascinating to me how in Afghanistan, in a country in the Middle East, they specifically apportion goat versus ram fighting on their New Year's Day. Now, why do they do that? What connection does Persia have to a goat and to a ram? Well, believe it or not, the mention of goats and rams in its relationship to Persia and other country, other kingdoms for that matter, goes all the way back to Bible times. All the way back to the time of the book of Daniel. And in fact, in our text this morning, we are going to read about a goat and a ram. And we're going to find out what it symbolizes. I ask you to turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 8. Turn your Bibles right now to Daniel chapter 8. And it will also be on the screen behind me. But we're going to stand on up and I want to read through verses 1 through 14. Would you please stand with me as we read Daniel chapter 8, beginning in verse 1 all the way to verse 14. It says this, In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar of Babylon, a vision appeared to me, to me, Daniel, after the one that appeared to me the first time. And I saw in the vision, it, it so happened, while I was looking, that I was in Shushan, the citadel, which is in the province of Elam. And I saw in the vision that I was by the river Ulai. And then I lifted my eyes, and I saw, and there, standing beside the river, was a ram, which had two horns. And the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other. And the higher one came up last. Verse 4, And I saw the ram pushing westward and northward and southward so that no animal could withstand him, nor was there any that could deliver from his hand. But he did according to his will and became great. And as I was considering, suddenly a male goat came from the west across the surface of the whole earth without touching the ground. And the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. And he came to the ram that had two horns, which I saw standing before the river, and ran at him with furious power. And I saw him confronting the ram. 
And he was moved with rage against him. And he attacked the ram and broke his two horns. And there was no power in the ram to withstand him. But he cast him down to the ground and trampled him. And there was none that could deliver the ram from his hand. Verse 8, Therefore the male goat grew very great. But when he became strong, the large horn was broken. And in place of it, four notable ones came up toward the four winds of heaven. And out of one of those horns came a little horn, which grew exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the glorious land. And it grew up to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host and some of the stars to the ground and trampled them. He even exalted himself as high as the prince of the host. And by him the daily sacrifices were taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. Because of transgression, an army was given over to the horn to oppose the daily sacrifices, and he cast truth down to the ground. He did all this and he prospered. And then I heard, verse 13, a holy one speaking. And another holy one said to that certain one who was speaking, How long? How long will the vision be concerning the daily sacrifices and the transgression of desolation? the giving of both the sanctuary and the host to be trampled underfoot. And He said to me, for 2,300 days or, or evenings and mornings, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. Heavenly Father, we pray right now that You would open our eyes to a portion of Your Word that is uh, right now very unclear. We read this and we, we wonder what it means. I pray that today, Lord, by Your Spirit, through careful study of Your Word, we will know the truth of what You have to teach us today. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. Well, we've been going through a lot in the book of Daniel. We've been going through the series, right? Throughout the book of Daniel. We started in chapter 1 and we're all the way up now to chapter 8. And on your outline, we've been, uh, we've been uh, identifying some of the visions and some of the dreams in Daniel. And uh, we've, we've come across a number of dreams and visions. We've had a statue... In chapter 2, we've come across four beasts in chapter 7. And let's see how your memory's going. Let's see how your recollection's going so far. What, what does the golden head and the lion, what, did, what kingdom was represented by the golden head and the lion? Babylon. Go ahead and write that down. Babylon. That's right. Four major world empires. The head of gold in chapter 2 and, the, and represented by the lion in chapter 7 is Babylon. How about the second one? The silver chest and the bear. What, what nation? What empire? Persia. Medo-Persia. M-E-D-O-Persia. The Media-Persian Empire that came up after Babylon. And then we have a third empire. The bronze thighs and the leopard represented by the speed of the leopard. What, nation, what empire? Greece. And we had uh, Greece come in swooping with great speed taking over the empire of Persia. And then... A fourth, a fourth uh, uh, element of the statue, iron legs, and a fourth beast, the dreadful beast as it's called. What was this fourth world empire? Rome. That is correct. Rome. But we're not done. You may recall that in the, in the statue of chapter 2, there were toes that was a mixture of both iron and clay. And in chapter 7, on that last dreadful beast, there were ten horns. So we had ten horns and we had ten toes. And what did we say about those ten horns and ten toes? What did they signify or represent? Anyone remember? Okay, revive Roman Empire. And specifically, ten what? Ten 
Kings, right? Kingdoms, right? Ten nations, ten kings. Go ahead and write down ten kings. Ten kings, or maybe uh, vassal states, if you will, to this last beast. Ten kings. And then finally, finally, we had out of those ten horns came another horn, a little horn, from which three of the ten horns fell out, if you will. And what did we identify was this little horn of Daniel chapter 7. Who ultimately does it represent? Yeah, the beast. The final man of sin. The man of lawlessness. The son of perdition. We know him as the Antichrist. The little horn of chapter 7, verse 8 and following is a picture of the final world ruler of a revived Roman Empire. And now we come to Daniel 8. And in Daniel 8, we, we, we've, seen, you know, we've seen a lot of symbols. We've seen a statue, gold, silver, bronze, iron, clay. We've seen animals. We've seen lions and bears and, and leopards and a dreadful beast. And here we come to chapter 8 and we have yet another uh, set of animals. We have a ram, we have a goat, and we have the little horn. Which brings me to the title of this message, which I should have told you earlier. The title of today's message is The Ram, the Goat, and the Little Horn, Putting the Prophetic Pieces Together. The Ram, the Goat, and the Little Horn, Putting the Prophetic Pieces Together. Now, I really labored this week uh, in preparation for how to how to teach this study. Um, one, of my, one of my frustrations was, and being Teacher Appreciation Sunday, all of you teachers will appreciate this, I hope, um, teaching methods are important, are they not? How we teach is important. And uh, believe it or not, uh, it, it, the Sunday morning sermon that's happening in many churches all across the world today the Sunday morning 30 to 45 minute message where one guy gets up on stage and speaks and there might be a little visual occasionally behind him and after 30, 45 minutes sits down and we all walk out. That is actually probably one of the worst ways to communicate. Did you know that? It's probably one of the worst ways to communicate. It's one of the worst teaching methods there is and yet we do it time and time and time again. Can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, today, this old dog is going to teach you some new tricks. Alright? You ready? Are you ready? Oh, you don't sound ready. Are you ready? Alright, now today, listen. I, we've been going through, and I've been the one teaching you, and, and teaching you, and, and trying to walk you through this, and make you, you know, convince you of what I think about the passage. I don't want to do that today. I want you to learn today. We're going to take 15 to 20 minutes of private study right now. You're saying, what? Yes, I want you for the next 15 to 20 minutes, just you and your Bible and your notes, I want you to go through the questions that I'm asking you about this passage. Open it up. I want to walk you through how we're going to do this. I've given you ten questions. Everybody grab your Bible. Ten questions. Grab a pen. And I want you to understand what you're reading in Daniel 8. Just you and the Lord. And I've given you some questions, some guided study. When you read the question, I want you to do this. I want you to take a guess. 
Take a guess of what the answer is. If you need a hint, turn to the back. And there's some hints for every question. Alright? But don't go for the hint until you take a guess. Take a guess on what you think the answer is. And then if you need to look at the hint, look at the hint. And then for those of you that are just super, super fast learners, and you get done before everyone else, well, I've given you some other uh, questions at the bottom on the back that I want you to answer. And when we're done with these 15 or 20 minutes, we're going to come back together and we're going to start answering some of these questions. And it'll only, our, our conclusion will only be about 5 to 10 minutes. And we'll, uh, we'll get to Daniel 8 again later on. But here's what we're going to do in the background. We're going to start streaming the text. And so, uh, so we're going to start with verse 1. And it'll be uh, rolling on the screen if you'd like to look up. If you'd like to look in your Bible, that'd be fine too. But for the next 15 to 20 minutes, just you and the Lord, your pen... In this note sheet, see if you can start putting the prophetic pieces together. Go ahead. How many of you feel now that uh, you now have a much better understanding of Daniel 8? Raise your hand. All right, many of you. Not all. That's okay. Uh, we, we, you know, why did I do this? Number one, I did this because it's Teacher Appreciation Sunday and I had to try a new teaching method. Number two, I try this because th- this is legitimately good for us. It's good for us to walk into a passage of Scripture and to look at it and to be utterly intimidated by it. It's God's Word after all. It, it is the very words of God to you and to me. We should be intimidated any time we read the Scriptures. This is God's instruction to us. And yet... Though we're intimidated by it, and though sometimes we read especially the prophetic portions and we think, what? A ram? A goat? A little horn? What does this signify? Though we might have that great trepidation approaching a passage like that, when you start breaking it down, sometimes you don't need somebody to get up there and preach it to you. Because God the Holy Spirit is there in your heart. He's illuminating your mind. And you can take a complex text like Daniel 8 and piece by piece by piece, start to break it down and start to get an understanding of what it means. I hope that you have that, a piece of that here today. But let's go through the questions. Let's find out how we did on some of these questions. Uh, starting with number one, we, we read verses 3 and 4 of Daniel 8. And in many of the dreams, we've learned that there have been animals used to represent kingdoms. What if the ram with the two horns also represents a kingdom? Which kingdom might it represent? Anyone? Medo-Persia. Why? Why, Scott? Two nations coming together. That's right. Scott got ahead of us already. The second question is, so Medo-Persia is the correct answer. Now, the second question is, what is meant by the horn that came up last but was higher than the other? Scott, you alluded to it. Persia came up stronger than the Medes, did it not? King Cyrus, we've been learning about this. King Cyrus, you know, the, the, the bear, remember the bear of Persia, it was propped up on one side in chapter 7. Do you remember that? Uh, two arms of bronze, two pronged, and yet one side was stronger than the other. We've seen that time and time again in Daniel. Why not? That, why, why would that not be the interpretation here in Daniel chapter 8, verse 3? Looking uh, to the next question, question 3. We read verses 5 and 7. Verse 5 indicated a male goat who defeated this ram. And, uh, and this male goat had a notable horn, came from the west, 
with great speed, didn't even touch the ground. What dominating ancient king and kingdom does this represent? That's right. Alexander the Great in Greece. Perfect. Great answer. And what previously in Daniel do you remember invoking the concept of speed? What do you remember? The leopard. Flying across, crushing Persia, right? So here we have, instead of, a, instead of the Persian bear and the Greek uh, leopard, instead we have a Persian ram and a Greek goat. Boom! The goat knocks over the Persian ram and crushes it, not even touching the ground. With great speed does it come. So we have Alexander the Great, the answer to question three uh, of Greece. Then we come... Sorry, did I miss something? I thought I heard someone. And then we come to verses 8 to 10. And after the large horn of the goat, so the large horn we know is Alexander the Great. After the large horn of the goat was broken, its power was divided fourfold. And out of these lesser kings and kingdoms came a, a little horn. Let's see if we can determine who this is. But before we get there, what do we remember about the Greek Empire after the time of Alexander? How was it distributed? In four ways. Four generals. Antigonus. Cassander, uh, Seleucus, and Ptolemy. Thank you. Four, four, four generals took over the, the empire of Greece just as is indicated here by the symbolism in Daniel 8. Daniel writing before this occurred. And then verse 9 says that this little horn of the goat that came out from the four lesser horns, this little horn of the goat grew exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the glorious land. Now, what might be called the glorious land? Israel. That's right. Now, for some of you, that might not have been you know, obvious. I put the hint on the back. Remember, from the perspective of the Jewish author Daniel, what would he consider to be the glorious land? If he's the one receiving this vision, we need to be thinking in terms of what Daniel would consider to be glorious. And of course, that would be Israel. Of course, that would be Jerusalem. And so this little horn that comes from the goat out of the other four, uh, four divisions of the goat, here comes this little horn and it grows exceedingly to the south, to the east, and to the glorious land. Question 5, verse 10 says, this little horn of the goat grew so large that it grew up to the host of heaven and cast down some of the host and some of the stars to the ground and trampled them. Who or what are the host and the stars that are to be trampled? Now, hold on. Before you answer this, this was one of the hardest questions out there, especially at this juncture. That question will get easier as we move on, but at this juncture, that was a very difficult question to answer. And I want to make mention of the fact that as you're walking through Bible prophecy, as you got to the, the first indication in Daniel 8. Look at Daniel 8 and look at verse, uh, at verse 10. And it says, And it, the little horn, grew up to the host of heaven and it cast down some of the host and some of the stars to the ground and trampled them. Listen, at that point in Daniel 8, as you've been going through the chapter, it's very reasonable not to know what the host and the stars represent. Because really, you've just been given a small clue, a small indicator. And so on the back of the sheet, I said, sorry, no hint yet. And why did I do that? Because you need to continue to read in context. So we're going to skip question five for just a minute. But we'll, we'll answer it in just a second. Go to question six. Verses 11 and 12. Verse 12, 11 says, The little horn of the goat exalted himself as high as the prince of the host. 
And he cast down the place of his sanctuary. Who is the prince? Who is the prince? Wow, I got a lot. I got a lot of answers there. Got a lot of answers there. How many think? Uh, uh, I'll, I'll ask it one more time because I want to see if I can hear the, the most dominating response. Who is the prince? Yeah, I think I think the Lord would be a sufficient answer there. If you want to say Jesus in particular, I don't think it needs to be as specific as Christ. I think we should say the Lord. The Lord. This is the Lord. This is the prince. Symbolized by the capital P, which gives it away for your Bible translations, but that there was no capital in the Hebrew language of, of Daniel 8. But the prince of the host is the Lord. The Bible translators have given that away to us by, by the capital of the, of the P. But now that comes back to question 7. If the Lord is the prince, then who is the host? Based on your answer to question 6, who then are the hosts that are under the prince? that had the daily sacrifices taken away from them by the little horn of the goat. Who is it? Israel. That's right. And really, in verse 10, you weren't really, none of us would be prepared to answer that question. And by, by, if we, we just read verses 1 to verse 10 and we stopped, we might think it was stars in the sky. We might think it was uh, maybe a, a, a symbol of... of uh, how Satan, you know, came down with a third of, of the angels in heaven. They were referred to as stars as well. We didn't know what it quite meant, but as we read further, we started answering that question. Once we identified the prince, then we could identify the host. Question seven, the answer is the Jewish people. And the Jewish people were often referred to as stars. Remember what Abraham was told? I'll make your descendants like the stars in the heavens. Remember what Joseph's dream was in Genesis 37? He looked up and he saw 12 stars. And 11 of the stars, he was one of them, and 11 of the stars bowed down to him in reverence. The Jewish people have often been associated with the host of heaven or the stars. Question 8. At the time, coming to the end, at the time of the book of Daniel, the Jewish people had been defeated and taken as slaves to Babylon. Uh, to, to Babylon. Jeremiah the prophet said it was because of Israel's sin. In the same manner, Daniel 8.12 says an army was given to the little horn of the goat because of transgression. Whose sin might this be? Tough one. What's that? Israel is correct. The Jewish people again is the answer. You see, time and time again in Scripture, we find that bad things happen to the Jews when they what? When they sin. When they fall into sin. And just like Jeremiah said, hey, you're in Babylon because of your sin, so also an army was given. Given. Notice the word given. He received it. It wasn't his. He was given power, this little horn, to afflict the Jews because of their sin. Question 9. Read verses 13 and 14. Despite the terrible deeds of the little horn of the goat against the host and the stars, what comfort does verse 14 give to the host of the prince? What comfort does it give? The time is short, I heard. Very good. The time is short. It says what about the sanctuary? That it will be what? Cleansed. After 2,300 days, more specifically 2,300 evenings and mornings. We'll talk about that in the later weeks. After a period of time, this affliction of the little horn who's given an army to afflict the Jews, that time will come to an end. And the sanctuary will be cleansed again. Finally, 
What does your answer in question 9 teach us about the prince? What does it teach us? He's all-powerful. What else does it teach us? He's faithful to Israel. What else? There's redemption. It is the story of Scripture, is it not? That hey, despite your sin, I don't care what you've done, God says, I need to discipline you right now because you've sinned. I need to discipline you and it's going to hurt. It's, going to, it's not going to be fun. It's going to be painful. But despite your sin, I still love you. I still care for you. And this time of discipline will be short. There will be a limit to it. There, it will not extend an infinite duration. There will be a limit to the amount of discipline that will come upon the man or woman who has faith in the Lord God of Israel. Amen? He will remember His mercy. He will remember His patience. He will remember His loving kindness. And that is so much the story of Scripture and the story of Jesus Christ our Savior. And so we've, we've come now to a better understanding of Daniel 8. We've come now to a, a fuller understanding. One in which we can see, despite the fact that, that we started looking at this text, we started looking at it and we thought, I have no idea what this means. Right? That was very intimidating at the, at the onset. But as we got further in, and we started writing down the responses and taking it piece by piece, we began to make sense of it. Turn to the very, the very back of your sheet. The very back of your sheet. As you leave today... I want you to ask a few dig deeper questions. We are going to come to Daniel 8 in two weeks. We're going to skip a week. Next week we'll have a separate message. We'll come back in two weeks. In the meantime, I have some questions for you. This is a tough study, but you've already come a long way. The questions are these. Do you think the little horn of Daniel 8 is the same little horn of Daniel 7? Remember, Daniel 7 was the beast, the, the man of sin, the son of perdition, the man of lawlessness. The Antichrist. Chapter 7, the little horn. Here we have another little horn. Is it the same? Or is it different? Second question is, well, what are the similarities? There are many. Many similarities. And what are the differences? There's one big difference. It has to do with where they come from. And then lastly, I want you to search and read about two men. And I know this is a lot of homework. But if you're interested, I tell you, it's worth a study. Read about two men, Antiochus Epiphanes and read about Judas Maccabeus. You might know him as Judah Maccabee. Judas Maccabeus. Two men who I believe represent what is happening here in Daniel chapter 8. But we're going to put it on pause. We're going to wait a couple weeks and I'll give you time to study and consider that. I want to encourage you too as we close today. I want to encourage you. You've come so far. That text was challenging. Very challenging. One of the most challenging in all of Scripture. And so many of you answered all the questions, taking it bit by bit. I encourage you to go to the end and answer these final questions on the back as we continue to grow in God's Word and in the knowledge of Him. But ultimately, let us remember the Prince. The Prince of the Host. He is a gracious God. He is a God of great long-suffering and patience. And despite our sin, He extends mercy. He has mercy for you today. 
If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have eternal life. Eternal life that can never be lost. And that mercy will extend on you forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, for this time in Your Word. A different kind of study, Lord. Uh, one that's unique. But Father, it's, it gives us encouragement when we can approach Your Word, difficult as some parts are, and make sense of it. I thank You, Lord, for Your Holy Spirit who guides us in, in and through these, this time of study. We're certainly, Lord, in, a, uh, in an academic spot of Daniel. It's, uh, it's hard to break it down. It's hard to um, make, it, uh, make it super applicable to our, our lot in life. But Lord, we know that there's content here that's good. And we know that there's a, a desire that You place in us to know about the future and to know about prophetic events. And so I pray that we would not, we would not lose sight of the importance of this book of the importance of this chapter as we grow deeper and deeper in the knowledge of You and in what is to come. Guide us, we pray, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen.